0: Welcome to Soul Nectar, the podcast sanctuary where we dance in the intersection of that which is deemed sacred and profane, exploring what it means to embrace our full-spectrum humanness while on the path of spiritual, erotic, emotional, and creative wholeness, liberation, and aliveness. I'm your guide, Nadine Hamilton, passionate coach and teacher of holistic sexuality Devoted somatic practitioner, earth lover, writer, and lifelong student. From my heart to yours, thank you for being here. I'm so, so grateful to have you here tuning into this episode. I had a conversation that you're about to listen to with my friend, Elizabeth Kaus, who is such a genuinely beautiful soul inside and out and so inspiring. She has accomplished so much and is just such a joy to be around. She is an environmental activist, a permaculture teacher, the founder of a project called Liberation Permaculture that centers around liberation and justice within the permaculture movement, And decolonizing permaculture. Elizabeth studied agriculture at Cornell and has been living in Costa Rica for five years. She's very passionate about community food systems, social justice, indigenous rights, and how we relate to the land. She opened an incredible farm-to-table restaurant in Costa Rica, which she has since sold. She's also very creative and a big believer in using the arts for social change. She's a freelance photographer and has done a lot of online activism and digital organizing. There really is not much that this woman can't do. And we met in Costa Rica in this gorgeous coastal town on the Caribbean coast That we were both living in. I was living there up until a couple weeks ago, actually. I'm now visiting the U.S. And as we explore in this conversation, we really wanted to dive into how our connection to nature is ever present it's never something that's missing it's rather something that we become aware of and something that we even resensitize ourselves to it's always there it's a matter of getting out of your head and turning on your receiver to tune into the cycles the seasons the elements the forces of nature that are here present with us at all times We talked a lot about getting still and silent and being in solitude, slowing down, and how your body is the earth, your bones, your blood, your flesh, your breath, all of it encompasses all of the elements. We dove into so many different amazing topics, including what is permaculture and how it's a worldview and a lifestyle and the intersection of permaculture and social justice and even dating how permaculture encourages intuition and how it taught Elizabeth how to be a human. We talked about our individual nature awakenings. We discussed stripping away the judgments and shaming of how people live their lives and making this lifestyle and this world's view of permaculture accessible to everyone anywhere who wants to adopt it as their own. We even talked about how permaculture relates to sensuality, pleasure, and sexual empowerment. And during the conversation, Elizabeth asked me what has my journey been like when it comes to opening myself up to this really deep, meaningful, profound connection to nature. And after the episode, I was like, oh my God, there's so many more things I could have talked about. And the list goes on and on. But some of the things that I forgot to mention that have really Shaped What this relationship has become in the present day is my experience living on an off the grid farm completely removed from civilization and just being without any noise pollution without any internet and also doing some homestay experiences in rural areas in different countries doing a lot of womb and sexuality and feminine energy work that has really resensitized me to nature and the elements, and also plant medicine. I cannot forget that. My experience working with different plant allies has totally cracked me open to viewing and relating to nature and naturally myself in a completely new way where I not only intellectually understand that I am nature, but I feel in my bones, in my breath, in my flesh, that I am an extension of nature and that we truly are children of the earth. So this entire conversation just feels like a giant celebration of mama earth. And I'm so excited to hear how it lands for you and how it inspires you. So definitely reach out to me and Elizabeth and let us know all the things about what you experience while you're tuning in. I also definitely want to mention that I have one-on-one coaching and mentoring spaces available. These are by far my most profound, transformative, and magical offerings that I have. When you get my Undivided attention and energy. And my approach to coaching is desire based, somatic, relational, unshaming, and sex positive. And I write very thoroughly on my website about what each of those mean because they are very important pillars of the work that I do. And I believe it really sets my approach apart from other practitioners. So if you're someone who really wants to feel this embodied sense of power, aliveness, freedom, liberation, expression, sensuality, sexual wholeness, then you can check out the link in the show notes or you can go to bloomwithnadine.com and explore all of the offerings that I have for you. There are single sessions as well as longer term packages depending on what your needs and desires are at this time. And finally, if you haven't done so already, It would mean so much if you took a couple minutes to leave a rating and a review on whatever platform you are tuning in from right now. It makes a huge, 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 huge difference and really helps to support the show and helps other people out there in the world to discover Soul Nectar. And since I know your time and your attention and energy is so precious and I don't take that lightly. I'm very excited to be offering a free transformational masterclass to anyone who leaves a review and screenshots it and then emails it to Nadine at bloomwithnadine.com. So take a screenshot of the review, email it to me, and then I'll get you the recording of that masterclass. And you will also be automatically entered into a giveaway to win a free private somatic coaching session with me. I'm going to randomly select a winner and contact you via email. So again, all you got to do is leave a review and email it to me. That's it. Bada bing, bada boom. You are entered to win and you get your free masterclass. All right, my loves, without further ado, here is today's episode of Soul Nectar. Enjoy. I'm super excited to be here on Zoom with my friend, Elizabeth Kaus, who I met in Costa Rica, and she is just such an amazing, beautiful, intelligent person who has also done and achieved so much considering how young she is and really takes such a stand for the earth, for the environment, for social justice and indigenous rights. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Elizabeth, welcome. Welcome.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: (laughs) So before we started recording, we were just kind of feeling into what we want this conversation to be about. And since Elizabeth knows so much about permaculture and I haven't yet had any conversations about permaculture, we want to start diving in there. So, Elizabeth, I'm curious, like how you got into this world of permaculture. And I know for me growing up, like in the suburbs in New Jersey, I had no awareness whatsoever about like the importance of community food systems or environmental rights. Like this wasn't even in my realms of awareness. So how was this introduced to you and how, yeah, how did this path find you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So I had maybe a similar upbringing. I'm from upstate New York in a pretty suburban, medium sized town and grew up kind of pretty disconnected from my food system, nature, just generally disconnected. Um, And I feel like as I was growing up and kind of came into my teen years, I was a pretty fiery, passionate. Teen in high school <laughs> and i remember like learning in school a lot of just about a lot of the problems in the world i just felt so like frustrated and really yeah just passionate about making a difference and at that time i really wanted to go into the humanitarian sector and field and i'm pretty lucky that i ended up going to cornell for school and i wanted to study international development or international studies And most universities have a program like that, but Cornell doesn't. Um, The most similar program that they had was one that's called International Agriculture and Rural Development. So it kind of bridges humanitarian issues, international development, as well as agriculture and food. And when I chose the major, you could choose a few paths in it. Like you could focus more on the development aid, or you could focus more on agriculture and food or economics, etc. And I remember when I chose it, I was like, I'm not going to do the agriculture or food at all. I'm only going to do like the humanitarian people stuff. And I really wasn't interested in food or agriculture whatsoever. Um, My first semester, I had to take one class. It was called Intro to Sustainable Agriculture. And every week we would have one like seminar lecture. And then we'd have one day where we had it was like in the field where we would visit different local farms and community projects in Ithaca, Cornell's in Ithaca and upstate New York, which is a pretty progressive hippie cool town and it has a really thriving local food system, a lot of CSAs and farmers markets and a lot of nonprofits working with food justice. So, yeah, every week we got we spent a full afternoon visiting all these different projects, meeting people, working to better our food system. And it ended up being my favorite class my first semester. I look forward to it so much every week. And it was just so beautiful meeting people really like literally with their hands in the soil, um, working to make a difference in the world. And I feel like as I kept taking more classes and just learning about the complexities and intersections of so many of our problems in the world, it just kept coming back to food. Um, I think that's one of the, the beauties right now, unfortunately, one of the problems of the food system, but also one of the beautiful potentials is it's such a point of so many of the converging crises of our time, whether it's climate change and climate collapse, or even like women's rights and feminism or health like so many different problems if you look upstream lead back to our food system and our relationship with the land and at the same time it has so much potential to better all of those things so yeah in that class I remember one of our days we were talking about Um, the specifics of USDA organic and the labeling and I remember on the last slide the professor had a slide and it was called beyond organic and he was like there's a few movements and things happening in the world that kind of take one step beyond organic and they're really in the kind of in the forefront of sustainable agriculture and he had two bullet points and it said permaculture and the other one was regenerative agriculture And I remember thinking, I was like, if there are things that go beyond organic or that are, you know, can actually be this positive healing force with the earth, why would we not be doing the most possible um, to, yeah, to heal the earth and reduce the impacts of climate change? And that was the first time I ever heard the word permaculture. So similarly, it's definitely was not a part of my vocabulary growing up. I think for so many people, they still have no idea what it is. Um, and yeah, I kind of did a deep dive into it at the time, um, just like on my own on the internet and whatnot. And the reason why, I mean, there's so many different movements related to food and the environment that you can kind of attach onto, whether it's agroecology, regenerative agriculture, etc. cetera. The reason why permaculture is the one that really called to me the most is because of how intersectional it is. And because of the focus on social justice and people, so um, permaculture is a it's a design science that is basically based on mimicking the natural systems of the world. But what I really, I think the thing that I find most interesting about it is it's very anthropocentric. So it's very much about us as humans, us as Homo sapiens, and specifically people living in the Western world, the modern world that has become so distanced distanced and disconnected from nature. It's about how we can basically come back into the natural rhythms of earth. And yeah, social justice is a huge part of it. Um, Human rights is a huge part of it. And the fact that it's so intersectional is kind of why, yeah, it became a passion of mine. And I eventually ended up studying it and then teaching it now. Sorry if that was very long ramble.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. No, not at all. So well said. And there's so many different directions that I want to go in. Also, just a side note, my journey with my career path that I'm on now also started with like a mandatory random elective class in college that I had to take like oh, everyone amazing, yeah. yeah everyone had to take a women's and gender studies class so I took that one class just for the requirement and then I ended up being like oh my god sexuality gender yeah. women's rights <laughs> ah Yay, and that just yeah. opened me up to everything but anyways wow i am so curious to hear about how our relationship with the land and with the earth and these um, food systems and permaculture, like how that relates specifically to social justice issues and Mm -hmm. humans. And of course, how we do one thing is how we do everything. So how we treat the earth is naturally going to be how we treat ourselves and how we treat other people. But Mm -hmm. in your experience, like how did these worlds merge?
1: Yeah. So permaculture is worldview it's a it's a lens and a way of looking at things a lot of people think the permaculture might be gardening or composting or having certain types of techniques on the land all of those things they aren't permaculture but they're kind of the um I guess the thing that comes from using permaculture to view a space um and what yeah let me backtrack a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, What I I think is really interesting is like we have all the solutions kind of to draw carbon down from the atmosphere, to regenerate the earth, to build soil, all of these things. The problem in our world isn't, you know, figuring out how to stop destroying the planet. Like we know we're doing that and we know how to not do it. The real issue is how we can all get along with each other and how we can kind of make decisions collectively. And again, how us as humans um, and specifically in the Western world, how we can kind of change our view of nature. And I think a really big part of permaculture. So I'll just talk a little bit about kind of the founding of it. It's a really young movement. It was founded in the 70s. And it was founded by two Australian men, Bill Mollison and David Holmgren, and they were teacher-student in university. Um, That was like their relationship. And they basically spent time traveling the world and looking at different movements and especially at a lot of different Aboriginal communities in Australia. This was in Australia. And gaining a lot of inspiration from them to kind of come up with this methodology So permaculture, I think, really is rooted from the place of that we're not separate from nature, but we are nature. Um, And I think that's such like an important part of it and really like pinnacle and what really separates permaculture thinking from how a lot of the dominant Western society thinking is. Um, And Yeah, so viewing the world and life as we are nature, it's so much about also how we relate to each other as humans and realizing that us being a part of nature also includes changing how we relate to each other because so much about how the world operates at the current moment is about hierarchies and about control and domination, which are all things that really aren't. Um, part of the patterns of nature. Nature is really about balance. It's about diversity. It's about fluidity and a lot about nurturing and the feminine. And so, yeah, the the human aspect of it is kind of like, how do we change also so many of our human systems to be in line with nature, viewing it from the model of we are nature? Um, So, yes, I mean, so many of the things that we do today, whether it's how... Um, yeah how the food systems work how countries in the global north just like steal and um, like exploit so many things in the global south like those are all and like changing that to make it more balanced like that's all just as much a part of permaculture as composting in your backyard is mm. that answers
0: yeah it's so wild to me how just how distant we are and separated we are from this truth of the fact that we are nature. Like it really is so bizarre to me that we have this like collective colonized viewpoint of such harsh, distinct separation. And we think that where the barrier of our skin ends, like, Oh, that's it. I'm not connected to anything else. And if I harm something outside of me, then that's not going to impact me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But just because we're in these human bodies doesn't mean we're above or separate from any of it. We are these like organisms of, or organs of the greater organism.
1: Yeah. And I think another thing like permaculture is so much about intuition too. And I think that's also mm. part of just being nature is we all, you know, any animal today, they don't get a book or go to school for 18 years <laughs> to figure out how to feed themselves and mate and just exist on earth. Like, yeah, nature is so in tune um and so yeah part of I think permaculture too and being part of nature is just being in like embodied and in yourself and that's kind of how I explain it to a lot of people too is even if you don't know what permaculture is you intuitively know what it is it's just being being humans how we're supposed to be not this crazy whatever we're doing now
0: (laughs) Mm. (laughs) That inspires a question for me. Like how how do you personally feel like on your path, more deeply connecting with nature and the earth and permaculture has taught you how to human.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> how to oh, be a human.
1: So pivotal, pivotal and transformational in my journey. And to this day, like that is my It's my religion, my beliefs, like everything about the world is my connection to Mother Earth. Um, I guess I'll give a little background. Like, I I don't know if you mentioned this at the beginning, but I live in Costa Rica. That's how Nadine and I met. Um, But the first year that I lived here, I actually lived in this little bamboo hut in the middle of the jungle with no electricity. And I was helping to teach permaculture courses for a year. And we would have about once a month, we would have a course for two weeks with a bunch of students And then for about a month at a time, we'd have no students. And it was mostly just, yeah, like upkeeping the farm and really being um, just like tending to the land. And the owners of this center, they lived on the property, but it's a really big property. It was like a 10 acre property and they lived on the complete other side from where I did. And so I just spent majority of this full year, like completely alone in nature in, like, Mm. such an extreme way in a way that I had never been before. And I just went through every single roller coaster of emotion and experience and everything of just being, like, truly, like, I would go days without seeing another human being and, like, Mm. really just being in the jungle. And that was so, yeah, again, just, like, so transformational for me. And especially in this, like, land and area that we live in now, I feel like no matter what happens, I just feel, like, so... Held by the earth here and protected and nurtured, like not to sound so hippie and whatever and stereotypical, <laughs> but like truly, like I feel like, and then I've been able to take this with me. I feel like wherever I go. Like, even if I visit a city now, just seeing like little glimpses of nature and the earth, like I just generally I feel like I feel so much more just like love in the world. Um, mm-hmm. being able to view Earth is not this object, but one of my mentors, he gives this cute little analogy, but he's like, when I walk around my farm, like I view these trees and these animals like other, like people I know. He's like, I see them having faces. And I think that's kind of how we're meant to be is we're humans so naturally, like we're really amazing at pattern recognition because think about it. Like before, if you were living in the jungle or the forest, you had to know which berry was going to relieve your period cramps and which one was going to kill you and which one, if it's harvested at the beginning of spring is going to relieve your headache. But if you harvest it later in the year, it's going to make you throw up or whatever, like all these little things, like we're amazing at pattern recognition. And you can see that. I mean, unfortunately now in our world with brands, like we're so good at like viewing brands and being able to differentiate and it's the same within nature. And I think when you're able to start viewing other life besides humans as alive and having some kind of purpose and energy and just like recognizing a tree or a river or whatever it is as being something special it just illuminates the world so much into being this magical fairyland which we live in so
0: oh my god you are speaking to my soul (laughs) yes 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 everything you're saying yes oh my god what a gorgeous experience that sounds like, and I feel like it should be required for every single human to spend time in solitude in nature for oh, at least a period of time, like mandatory, just initiation.
1: Can I um, ask you a question?
0: Yes, please.
1: <laughs> I'm curious how your kind of like nature Mother Earth awakening happened apart from your sexual awakening kind of. Like, did you have one standout experience or moment or has it been kind of a slow process or
0: Mm, amazing question? So I wouldn't say it was like one specific event, but like growing up, I live in the suburbs, but um, I'm 30 minutes from the city, but I'm also like not even five minutes from the woods. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I would spend time going to the woods, walking in the forest, but I don't remember having like a really deep, meaningful, like spiritual connection to nature. Like I loved being outside, but it wasn't nearly as um, deep as a connection that I have now. And then I was like very unconscious, very in my ego, very, um, I don't want to say superficial, but I didn't have like the depth and the connection that I've cultivated today, like even throughout college. And then after college, I moved to Costa Rica because I was just, I was so desperate to get out of the bubble that I had been living in forever. So I moved to Costa Rica. And as you know, the nature there is just wow, like pulsing and alive and vibrant and wow, just like fierce, (laughs) you know, like you put your hand down literally anywhere outside there and something is alive under your hand anywhere. And so, yeah, I did a lot of solo traveling like to other countries, I did solo hikes and spending more time in nature, like in different places. But I feel like it really took me going outside of my bubble and shifting my perspective and specifically having time in solitude in nature to -hmm. then be able to come back to my hometown and now be able to experience the exact same thing with the woods that I used to take for granted. Like now I can walk through the forest near my parents' house and still be able to connect to that like pulsing, vibrant, alive life force and to be able to relate to the trees and the rocks and the river as alive. Like each of them has their own spirit and their own essence that you can have a relationship with. And that's not something that I was aware of growing up.
1: No, I, yeah, I love that so much. I think it's such a beauty of travel too. Cause I feel the mm-hmm. same way now. Like, like I said, even when I'm in cities now, still being able to feel connected, it's yeah, it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Do you have any like tips or advice or practices for someone who maybe has never experienced anything close to what we're talking about? Like this, just aliveness and connection to the natural
1: world. Mm-hmm, Um. I mean, I feel like similarly to what you're saying, like solitude in nature, of course, is amazing. I think so permaculture is set on um, it's based on three ethics and 12 principles. One of the first principles is observe and interact. And Mm -hmm. that one to me is so it's like so obviously the first one, because I think is humans today. We're so quick to have the answer and want to talk and again be the dominant ones where I just feel like so much more we need to just listen and like shut up and hear what (laughs) earth has to say to us um but yeah I think you can learn more from just sitting in the forest or in the jungle or in any kind of natural environment that you ever could from any textbook or talk or anything like there's just Mm -hmm. so much to be seen and to hear and to observe. And like I said, just so many patterns in nature. So yeah, any kind of nature walk that you can take or meditation in nature, like that, definitely I think is the first step that that most people can take for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, I was writing some notes as you were speaking. And yeah, that slowing down piece and the silence piece is so huge. And it makes me think of another. Really pivotal part of my own journey that has helped me connect to nature is exactly as you were saying, Elizabeth, is like really, truly feeling myself as not separate from the natural world and from the earth. So Mm -hmm. tangibly and practically what that has looked like for me is like the deeper I connect with my body and my sensations and my embodiment and my breath and everything that's happening within like my tangible flesh, the more deeply connected I feel to nature. And Mm -hmm. I feel like my own skin as nature you know you're able to see the the similarities and to see like pieces of yourself pieces of your body in the natural world which
1: yeah I love you know like your breath breath is
0: not separate from the air your fluids are not separate from the rain and the ocean like all of the elements everything outside of you also exists within you and as you
1: Mm-hmm. no that's such a good point and I think that too um along with that like even if you live in a city and can't go to the woods so easily like being in tune with your own cycles and rhythms because as we're saying mm. our nature I know a lot of women maybe before they're able to be more you know outside of a city or etc they'll even connect with their menstrual cycle is a really profound way of yeah, connecting with nature. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, even thank you for bringing that up. um, Being in tune with your own body, I think is really the first place to start for sure.
0: Yes. I love that so much. Like connecting to your own cycles Mm -hmm. Um, in the modern world and especially in cities, we tend to like operate so much on productivity and hustling and forcing and pushing and stressing and being like solely in our analytical judging, rationalizing part of the brain that we forget that we're existing in these bodies, AKA nature. (laughs) And we think that the body is just this like dead static object that we need to control and manipulate. But when you're able to like bring your awareness into your body and your sensations and feel it as like this living intelligent conscious being that is a part of the cosmos Mm -hmm. and of the earth, you kind of have no choice
1: but to feel a deeper reverence for the earth. Yeah. I love one thing that really sticks out to me in our many conversations we've had in the time (laughs) I've known you, (laughs) but we were talking about having girl talk once with a bunch of women and someone (laughs) asked like if if any of us have like a type. And I remember one of the like the first thing you were said (laughs) just like they just have to have like a deep profound connection to mother earth and I was oh my like, god yes. non-negotiable <laughs> yeah and I love that it was you just reminded me of that it was very <laughs> beautiful I was like it's so important
0: that is by far the sexiest quality you could ever
1: Like if we're gonna
0: date, we're gonna go on a hike or go somewhere and I'm going to observe you
1: (laughs) and just like witness
0: how you look around, how you interact with nature, because that tells me everything I need to know. Well, not everything, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, another thing that came up for me that I noted down in my little notebook is um I was listening, I was listening to this Rick Rubin interview. I've been on a Rick Rubin kick recently and I was listening to one of his interviews and he said, this isn't his quote. He was quoting someone else that I can't remember, but he said, enlightenment, something along the lines of like enlightenment is not ahead of you. It's not something you need to walk towards or reach for enlightenment is behind you. It's trying to catch up with you. So like <sighs> expanded states of consciousness, self-actualization, self-actualization, connection, all of these things that we're grasping for and that we're trying to reach for and get to, all of that happens when we slow the fuck down Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we let ourselves be still and present and listen and actually connect to what's here. Hello, beautiful. I hope you've been vibing with the episode so far. I'm popping in real quick to remind you that if you're enjoying the show, it makes a world of difference if you take just a couple moments to submit a rating and a review on whatever platform you're tuning in from. This helps to keep Soul Nectar up and running and allows more magical humans like yourself to discover these conversations. Since I highly value your time, attention, and support, I'm super excited to be offering a free gift. So if you screenshot your review and you email it to nadine at bloomwithnadine.com, you will be sent a free transformational masterclass as well as a chance to win a private somatic coaching session with me. The winner will be randomly selected and contacted via email. Thank you so, so much in advance for your support. Now back to the episode.
1: Yeah, no, I love that for sure. It reminds me of um, one. of So like I said, permaculture has 12 principles and three ethics. And the three ethics are earth care, people care, and fair share. Mm -hmm. And some teachers will talk about a fourth ethic called the transition ethic. And it's really about understanding that our current world, unfortunately, doesn't. um, It's not really adapted to a lot of these basically living in tune with nature and living as we are nature. So just really meeting people where they're at and also having just empathy and understanding that we're all really doing the best that we can with what we have and what we know at this time. And just mm-hmm. being able to do whatever little things you can now, you know, not everyone can, Unfortunately, come to Costa Rica and live in the jungle or move off grid and do all these things. But yeah, understanding Mm. that it's not this goal ahead, but it's really like wherever you are, even if you live in a city or whatever it is, there's still so many ways that you can, again, like connect and be in tune. So I love that.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up because I feel like within the quote unquote, like, conscious community or spiritual worlds. Like there can be a lot of subtle or not so subtle shaming of like, Oh, you're still in a nine to five. Like you're still in the system. You haven't escaped the matrix. Like you're not living in Costa Rica, you know, and these principles, these practices, this way of living can should be, and can be accessible no matter where you're living in the world.
1: Yeah, well, and that kind of separation too frustrates me so much because not only is it built on so much privilege, yeah, it's like kind of ignorance, but also I think it's built on this false understanding that we're that someone working a nine to five in a city is somehow separate if you're li- from you living in the jungle in Costa Rica. Yes, when in fact we're all so connected, and as long as anyone is still living in any kind of suffering or disconnection, like, so are you. Um, and I just think there's no such thing as being able to be like disconnected from the rest of the world, even if you're here. So yeah, we all all have our part to play no matter what. Yes.
0: And I feel like this is going to tie in beautifully with Liberation Permaculture, with which mm-hmm. is a project that you founded. Could you tell us more about what that means, what yeah. this project looks like? Mm-hmm.
1: So Liberation Permaculture was founded kind of right after the Black Lives Matter movement had its really big moment in 2020. Um, I think a lot of movements and organizations were kind of being called out for mm-hmm. different problematic behavior, no matter what realm of society. And, you know, everyone was kind of trying to be woke and progressive at the time. <laughs> but what I'll say is, I mean, the thing about permaculture, it's definitely not perfect. And there's also there's permaculture as a concept and as a teaching. And then there's also the permaculture movement, which is the people who are a part of it. And the, the concept itself, I think, is it's decolonial by nature. It's literally about being like separating yourself from this capitalistic um, neocolonial world. But the movement, which is made up of people, a lot of them from the Western world who have been you know, um, grown up in Western society, which is very much not decolonial, we all still live with all of these, um, I guess like programmings. And so just recognizing that and recognizing that permaculture, I think actively has to confront and reject a lot of these like negative and like problematic and prejudice patterns that exist in our world. So, um, one kind of, idol of mine I'll say her name is Leah Penniman I'm not sure if you're familiar with her but she's an activist and she started a project called Soul Fire Farm which is in the northeast and she's a black woman and she's amazing she wrote a book called Farming While Black I admire her so much and she did a talk somewhere and she said this line that just stuck out to me and it's something along the lines of permaculture isn't really real. Permaculture is an amalgamation of stolen indigenous farming techniques that have been rebranded and repackaged by white privileged white men to make them more palatable to be able to sell courses. And that just like in the time I was so deep in the permaculture movement and just thought permaculture was only the best most amazing thing ever And I remember hearing that from her and especially her being someone who I respect and admire so much. And I was like, wow, because part of me was like, I like saw so much truth in what she was saying. I was like, yeah, I can actually see a lot of what she's saying and being like "Um, that's really kind of like just viewing permaculture in a different light than I had. And at the same time also kind of recognizing that maybe not all of what she was saying was true. And maybe she didn't have, full understanding of what permaculture is and so yeah it kind of inspired me to just reach out to some colleagues and friends within Costa Rica to kind of start this conversation about a lot of the injustices happening within the permaculture movement and it ended up leading to um, reaching out to more friends and permaculture teachers in Europe and then eventually Australia and it ended up being about 50 of us different permaculture educators around the world including David Holmgren, one of the founders And we just had these series of conversations, like many, many hours of Zoom calls about what it means to have a just and fair permaculture movement. And again, I think a lot of it isn't permaculture itself, but it's the fact that we have to operate under this capitalist patriarchal system that ends up then inherently you know having effects in how we teach and how we operate Mm -hmm. um but one example is um yeah permaculture so the main way that people can kind of become educated and familiar with permaculture is a permaculture design course and it's a standardized course um around the world that many different places teach and it's often it's two weeks and it's usually thousands of dollars and that's obviously not accessible to most um along like similarly with that many teachers are white male like people and they're often the ones in the spotlight who get the most attention who write the books who are the most yeah just kind of like applauded for their work and just a lot of these different dynamics that are um, yeah, just not as accessible as in- and as inclusive as they could be. So yeah, with this group, we put out kind of a set of media that was focused on, first of all, kind of really standing on what is permaculture and really trying to um, define that it's not just farming, it's actually this like social movement too. And then another piece that we put out was decolonizing permaculture. And it was really a set of commitments that us as teachers and leaders and educators in the permaculture movement, we commit to um, abiding by these, um, I think it was a list of like 10 commitments um, for making the permaculture movement a more, yeah, just accessible and inclusive space. And one thing I'll add on that is I don't think by any means that everyone needs to be practicing permaculture know about permaculture, like especially, you know, indigenous people don't need to learn about permaculture. Um, A lot of people apart from Western society don't need it. And my only goal with it is just that, you know, I don't ever want to gatekeep how people connect with the earth. If you, you know, whether it's through permaculture or some other movement, or it could be literally through anything else, whether it's through, dance or it's through um you love bird watching like anything like if it can make it so you connect and fall in love with the earth like that's just all I hope for everyone um and really within the permaculture movement it's just that anyone who wants to be able to practice it and learn about it hopefully has the accessibility and feels comfortable and able to like that's the only goal so yeah Mm that's kind of how that movement and project came to life
0: Wow. Elizabeth, you endlessly inspire me. Like, (laughs) wow. I just, I love this fire within you and how like when you feel inspired to do something, you do it. You know, there's so many people (laughs) who have these dreams or ideas or goals or visions and sit on it for a lifetime. Um, Mm. But wow, I'm just so, I so admire your ability to make shit happen and to create and put yourself (laughs) out there and gather people and be this powerful Activist that you are. And I really love what you said about like, not (laughs) feeling the need to be this savior who's swooping in and being like, hey, indigenous people, you don't know about permaculture or, you know, (laughs) like trying to impose this. I don't know, teaching this way of being onto everyone or thinking it's the best or it's the only way or the right way, but having the humility and compassion and grace and openness to allow people to connect to the earth, connect to their food, connect to their land in a way that resonates with them because we're all so unique and different.
1: Mm-hmm. No, thank you. And I'll, I'll say too, like, I think such a big part of, again, the, the living as we are nature is humility like that is just and i yeah. especially see it as a part of like liberation permaculture too In the permaculture movement i see so many projects especially within costa rica by foreigners and they're coming in and saying you know we're yeah. the new earth paradigm and we're changing the world. And this is revolutionary. We're the thought leaders of today. And I'm like, no, you're not actually <laughs> permaculture. Like, that's not, I was like, you misunderstood <laughs> it all. <laughs> like, it's not about that. It's about tending to your own garden, taking time to sit and just like plant a tree. It's not about, you know, mm-hmm. making a social media movement or whatever it is. But yeah, humility is, it's such a big part of it.
0: Oh my God. That's been so, that word specifically, like in the last couple of months, it's been so alive for me, like in all of my meditations, my practices, some recent ceremonies that I had, um, especially one like solo plant medicine ceremony that I did for myself out in nature. Like that word kept coming up so much. And my whole body during that experience was like wanting to kneel and like bow down to the majesty of grace and the fact that none of us humans, we don't know anything. Yeah, And the more, (laughs) the more we try to be like, I know everything. I have all the answers. The more we're just living in delusion and lying to ourselves, like have the humility to realize that you don't know everything.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's such a big part of it too. And it's been a really big part of my journey is I feel like when I was that fiery young teen, like Mm-hmm. I wanted to do all the big things. I wanted yeah. to know some famous and some like not actually famous, but you know, <laughs> have some kind of you know voice. And I wanted to start some huge thousand-person eco-village and some huge project. And just realizing, kind of as I've gotten older and just learned more, that and especially I don't know if you're familiar with Charles Eisenstein, but yeah. I love. Yeah, he was
0: I envision.
1: Yeah, I'm such a big fan of his work and his books. And something that he talks about a lot is just like the amount of impact we have like I think one of it it's like quality versus quantity um and like you can have just as much of an impact and kind of like a measure of like change in the world just through impacting greatly one other person's life Mm -hmm. as you can impacting thousands in a more shallow way and that's just been yeah it's been a really big part of my journey too just realizing like and being really focused on just like, what can I do in my local community? Um, How can I be a good neighbor to those around me? Like that is my biggest priority before starting any like huge movement is.
0: Wow. Oh my God. That's so huge. And so important. I used to feel such a similar pressure of like, Oh my God, I have to save the entire world. It's all on my shoulders. I will be the (laughs) single handed person. And that's not realistic whatsoever. And that's also not our job. Um, and you just said so many beautiful golden nuggets and words of wisdom, but if someone's listening who does resonate with feeling that pressure of like, oh my God, the world is burning. There's so much shit going on. I feel overwhelmed. I want to help. I don't know where to start. Like, are there any reminders, (laughs) um, maybe some soothing reminders or just anything that comes to mind in regards to something you would want to say to them?
1: Yeah, I think first, First, I want to apologize. that My daughter slash dog is barking in the ground. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, it, you're reminding me right now of, um, there's another environmental activist. His name is Daniel Vall. He wrote the book, Designing Regenerative Cultures. And I was at a meeting conference with him once and he gave this, we were doing this really beautiful activity. Um, he's this amazing older German guy and he just started Crying, and it was really beautiful. And he spoke of, I don't want to get it wrong, but I believe it was an old Kenyan uh, story or mythology or kind of, yeah, uh, story that they tell. And it was about a hummingbird. And basically, the idea that this whole forest was on fire and all of the animals were fleeing and running away the elephants, giraffes, and all of these animals from this huge fire. And this hummingbird was taking a tiny drop of water like one at a time and going back and forth from this faraway pond to try to put out the fire and all of the other animals I'm really sorry about Maya (laughs) no worries I love her so much all of the other animals were like what are you doing hummingbird like how could you possibly think that that will make a difference and this little hummingbird was like I even if you know even if it's not like this is what I have to do like even if it's the tiniest thing. And basically I think all the animals ended up like helping him and they put out the fire, but (laughs) Mm. this idea that, um, yeah, you definitely, the weight of the world is not on one person. Like there's so many beautiful people around the world and the longer that I just get to exist and be alive today, like, and the more people I meet who, whatever field they're in are trying to make some kind of positive impact. It's like, we have powers and power in numbers And yeah, even again, even if you can positively impact, I think one other person's life, it makes it all worth it. Like, yeah, yeah, that's really, really the biggest thing. Mm.
0: I'm also curious, since this is something that we mentioned before recording (laughs) is how do you feel that embodying the principles and lifestyle of permaculture can also impact our sex lives, our relationships, our pleasure, our yeah, intimate relationships, and in our lives. Or how has that played a role for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely related, and like we were kind of talking about, like so much of permaculture is just about being in your intuition and just fully embodying your most intuitive present self. I think they're so related, um, and beyond that, beyond just your own kind of sexuality and being in your body and feeling your pleasure. I think in a society at large, we can unpack a lot of things. I'm not an expert in it or well-versed at all, but I think we could even look at patterns as far as like, I think a lot of people right now are challenging like monogamy or marriage or a lot of these like things in Western society, society that we've deemed the norm or deemed, you know, what you have to do or whatnot. As being like, are those our most kind of like natural ways of being the most, um, I guess, like equitable equitable or just ways of being? I think you could look at that, too. So I think, yeah, permaculture, again, it's a worldview. So. One of my mentors, he'll say, you know, you can use permaculture to look at anything from designing your garden to how you organize the apps on your phone. And likewise, you could use it to view your dating life and your relationships and how you relate to others um, for absolutely your sexuality. And again, it really comes back to this mimicking nature, acting as being like you are nature. So I think, and I'm sure you're so much more familiar and well-versed on this, but just like in what ways... In your sexuality, can you be most in tune with with your natural self and your intuition?
0: Beautiful. And what what like practically would that look like? Maybe let's say when it comes to dating, if someone's like, "I want to be a permaculture dating person,"
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. How would you
0: advise them?
1: (laughs) uh, I think it's just, I guess, about like unlearning a lot of again, these big things, whether it's capitalism, colonialism, all these big isms that we've been kind Mm of taught, um, unlearning all of those. And maybe I think that could, a lot of that could go with like attachment styles. And I think it's individual to each person, of course, Mm -hmm. like which different um, systems you've kind of been like indoctrinated under. But I guess with dating, it's, yeah, being in your intuition, whatever that means to you.
0: Mm, Yeah. I love the principles that you've spoken on of like how intuitive it is and also the observing and just being mindful and humble. And Mm -hmm. what comes up for me is like becoming more aware of hmm, your own patterns, your own cycles, maybe unconscious habitual behavior, getting clear on what you truly want. And Mm -hmm. is it, Mm, is it aligned with all parts of yourself. It yeah. as i'm saying this it makes me think of um one of my favorite teachers that i've had his name is david bedrick who will also be on the show i'm so excited. Yeah. He um he talks a lot about inner diversity and also inner systems of oppression. We tend like when we're talking about inclusivity and equality and diversity Um, It tends to be very focused on external and the community and the collective, which is incredible. And those conversations are so needed. And we also tend to forget about inner diversity and inner inclusivity and how we might be oppressing or silencing different aspects of who we are. So that just came up for me as you were speaking, like as you're dating, are there certain aspects of you, like your personality, your truth, your expression, your psyche, your yeah expression in any way that maybe you're not allowing that part of yourself to see the light of day and you're pushing it to the side instead of, embracing it and including it as an essential vital part of your inner ecosystem, your inner garden that makes up who you are. And the person that I believe is best for you to be dating is someone who would also embrace and love and accept that part of you.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Well, as we start to wrap up, I love to end off with some rapid fire questions. How okay. does that feel Go for it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. They tend to not be so rapid fire. So okay. we'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> okay. If you had a billboard that millions of people could see, what would you put on it?
1: It's uh, a hard question.
0: <laughs> no pressure.
1: Um, okay. Let me think for a moment.
0: Yeah. Take your time.
1: I mean, okay, this isn't going to be maybe as eloquent. I'm going to do the general idea and then I would have to think about the exact branding copy of it. <laughs> um, but it would, it would. I mean, it would be something related to this whole idea that we keep bringing up and not to sound like a broken record, but the that we are nature. And I think it would also be another passion of mine. And part of my work is about indigenous rights. And I'm just a big believer that indigenous people are, the leaders of kind of our environmental movement and just in general like have so many of they are just like the knowledge keepers of the world so it would definitely be something related to helping to respect listen to protect indigenous people and just that we are nature
0: mm. Oh that I know yeah. I literally just said this is rapid fire, but, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but that brought something up for me. Yeah, Another rabbit it. hole.
0: Yeah, like I, uh, these words feel so disgusting to even say out loud, but like growing up, I was so like that belief, that colonized belief was so like drilled into my brain of like developed countries and the colonized world and civilized society. Like we are so- Advanced and anything outside of that is primitive or less than or less developed, less intelligent, and that could not be fucking. Farther from the truth. Oh my God. Like,
1: we have no idea what we're doing. Oh my God.
0: Like, (laughs) these indigenous communities who are so connected to ancient wisdom and earth based wisdom, like, that is the most advanced technology you could ever harness or tap into. It's literally the truth of nature and the truth of the universe. And here we are in our like isolated restrictive cities that are suffocating us. Okay. I'm sounding judgmental, but (laughs) but we think we have it all figured out and yeah, feel very passionately about that. So thank you for bringing that up. Thank you. Okay. Next question. (laughs) What is your favorite act of self-love?
1: Oh, um, for me, it would probably be cooking in some way, um, related to permaculture and farming. Like I'm, I love food. Food is a long language. Food is a way to take care of myself. Like I love taking time to make a beautiful meal that takes time and effort and doing it in some beautiful artistic way with edible flowers and all the things um, as a way to take care of myself. Yeah. I, I have a big love for food and cooking.
0: Definitely, I love that. And side note, Elizabeth is such a talented cook. Oh my God. <laughs> Owned a restaurant. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Thank okay. You. <laughs> what are you currently most excited about in your life?
1: Ooh. Um, so I'm I'm currently in a bit of a career, uh, I guess, transitional phase slash limbo. Like Nadine mentioned, I priorly I own owned a farm to table vegan restaurant here in Costa Rica. Sold it at the end of last year went back into doing freelance work the first half of this year and now I'm kind of trying to decide if I want to continue that or pursue something new so not to sound again cheesy or whatever but I'm kind of I'm (laughs) excited for the unknown because right now I'm not exactly sure what my next chapter is going to be but Mm -hmm. I really enjoy being at the edge of my comfort zone slash even in my out of my comfort zone. And so, yeah, I'm very excited just kind of for the possibility and the unknown at the moment. Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. anywhere, so yeah.
0: And what has been the nectar for your soul recently? In other words, what's been deeply nourishing you on a soul level?
1: Um, I mean, the thing that first comes to mind, like I'm such a natural, I'm very much a naturally extroverted person. Like I love People, I love connecting with other humans, especially other women and just being in community. It's one of the reasons why I love living in this small town so much. But like last night, it was a friend's birthday and we all went out dancing. And it was just this group Mm. of the most amazing, badass women all shaking our asses at salsa <laughs> brava and we were on fire and I loved it <laughs> Salsa had, brava. yeah we had like a couple guys come up and they were like we're not from here but you ladies look amazing we love your dance <laughs> 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 and so yeah just being um yeah just connecting with others and especially with women like time time with the girls and especially time like just having fun and being our most silly natural selves that's definitely something that's like so important to me in my life mm. i have such a smile on my face I love everything oh, you just yeah, said. We miss you. I miss <laughs> you
0: too I know I have FOMO I'm like Fuck. Yeah. okay <laughs> if you could go back in time and whisper something into the ear of yourself from five years ago what would you say what words have we questions
1: done? they're so okay <laughs> okay let me think five years ago I would be would have been 21 so still in college um yeah I guess I'll I'll go on something we kind of mentioned earlier this I think it's really easy in general in today's world to kind of always be focused on the next thing and focused on the future of one day you'll have this or do this or be this and I think especially in college I really had that kind of like thinking as i was really just kind of over being in school but I was mm-hmm. so excited to like be in the world and traveling and whatnot and now I look back on it and I'm like I wish I had applied myself a little more or just been a little more like yeah just like excited to be doing what I was at that time because it was beautiful and I had like so much opportunity and so probably just that to like really just be more present and enjoy the life and what's around you at the current moment and not mm. get so caught up on what's ahead.
0: That's everything truly. Yeah. yeah. And finally, is there anything else that you feel called to say, like maybe something we didn't touch on that you wish we would have, or anything that feels alive for you, anything you want to tell the world?
1: I, I don't think so I've loved this conversation so much. I feel like we touched on so many amazing juicy things.
0: Mm. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, I've loved this conversation so much and I'm so grateful to have met you and connected That's with you. And I definitely feel and hope that our paths will continue to cross because you are just such yes, they will <laughs> like a wise Loving, just genuinely beautiful human who really inspires me. So, thank you for everything that you do and the way that you exist in this world.
1: You're amazing. So, likewise, the feeling's Mm. very mutual.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Elizabeth. And if people are hearing this and they want to follow along, they want to connect with you, is there anything that you got going on and how can people find you?
1: Yeah, I mostly. Uh, share about all of my offerings, courses, retreats, or anything on Instagram. So you can find me at Elizabeth Kautz, C-O-U-S-E underscore. And if you're interested in any specifically permaculture related things, it's at liberation permaculture on Instagram as well.
0: Beautiful. And I will have those links for everyone in the show notes for easy access. Thank you again, Elizabeth. This was uh, so beautiful. I appreciate you. Thank you congratulations on making it to the very end of a podcast episode. I hope you loved it as much as I did. Make sure to leave a rating and a review to support the show and help more lovely souls like yourself to discover these conversations. It really makes a massive difference. If you screenshot your review and you email it to nadine at bloomwithnadine.com, you'll be sent a free transformational masterclass as well as a chance to win a private somatic coaching session with me. If you got something out of listening, remember to send this episode to your friends, lovers, and family, and to share it on your social media and tag me at Bloom with Nadine. I would absolutely love to hear how this landed for you. I'm sending so much love and I hope to meet again in the next episode.